0: I'm James Kreppia with the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest Oregon Ducks headlines. Oregon women's basketball completed its regular season with a win over Washington Sunday on what was senior day. The game, as far as the big picture was concerned, was relatively meaningless in that Oregon had already clinched its third straight Pac-12 regular season title by defeating Washington State Friday night. But nevertheless, a program record 17th Pac-12 regular season win for the Ducks who enter the Pac-12 tournament as the number one seed and will face the winner of Washington and Utah in the Pac-12 tournament quarterfinals Friday at 2 o'clock at the Mandalay Bay Event Center in Las Vegas. Sunday's win for the Ducks was a lopsided one over Washington. Oregon opened up with seven straight points. Credit to Washington for putting up a degree of fight and that they had 10 straight at one point in the first quarter and played the Ducks to within a point. Led ever so briefly, but by the end of the first quarter, it was clear that Oregon was about to put its collective foot down, as it did, and in the second quarter really ran Washington out of the gym in a 92-56 win. Oregon men's basketball defeated Oregon State Thursday night in its lone game of the weekend. Oregon now competing for still a regular season Pac-12 title, a share of it at the moment as UCLA also controls its own destiny and only plays one game this weekend against USC. As far as Oregon is concerned, it plays the Bay Area schools, starting with Cal on Thursday night and then Stanford on Saturday night. If Oregon wins both, regardless of what UCLA does, The schools will share a Pac-12 title if UCLA wins over USC and Oregon sweeps the Bay Area schools if they end up tied. The tiebreaker for who will be the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament would go to the Ducks based on their lone meeting of a heads-up win. If, however, Oregon were to split its Bay Area schools games this weekend but UCLA wins, it then becomes who's a matter of the number two team in the Pac-12 tournament. And depending on what Arizona State does, as it wraps up, the tie break for Arizona State and Oregon would again go to Oregon because Oregon had the heads-up win against UCLA, whereas Arizona State and UCLA split their regular season meetings. Oregon softball completed its last regular season non-conference event on the road this weekend going three and two in its games in the Tulsa and Oklahoma City area, taking three wins that they absolutely were expected to pick up, and dropping a pair of games to Louisville and Oklahoma State that while close and competitive, nevertheless were certainly a blow to the number 10 Oregon softball team. Probably got a little bit overrated, because of their undefeated record against inferior competition to start the season. This was one of their bigger tests this weekend, particularly number 15, Oklahoma State. And while it went to extra innings and the new inherited runner rule, uh, where the runner and when the games go to extra innings, the runner is placed at second base in an effort to try and end the game. We can debate whether or not that is good, bad or otherwise. But nevertheless, Oregon drops that game to Oklahoma State on the road, a tough opponent. But as the number 10 team against the number 15 team, I can understand why some fans would expect Oregon to win that game. They did not. They lost to Louisville, an unranked team. Expect Oregon softball to drop in the polls slightly, not completely out of it by any stretch of the imagination, but to drop slightly after what was a 3-2 and two road weekend. Oregon softball coming home to open play at Jane Sanders Stadium in the 2020 season. Oregon baseball sweeping its four-game weekend series with Milwaukee. The Ducks getting big-time play from across the starting rotation, and Aaron Zavala in particular at the plate. Oregon, again, sweeping Milwaukee all four games. Zavala's bat coming up big in numerous instances, and the starting rotation delivering well as well. That said, Milwaukee, inferior competition that Oregon is supposed to beat. The good news for the Ducks is they did just that. Seven former Oregon players took part in the NFL Combine last week, including Justin Herbert, who we heard from earlier in the week. Lots will be made over the next couple of weeks leading up to Oregon's Pro Day on March the 12th. But Herbert did about everything he could be asked to do at the NFL Combine, both on the field, off the field in interviews, and etc., Also heard from Oregon's three former offensive linemen, Shane Lemieux, Calvin Throckmorton, Jake Hansen, wide receiver Jawan Johnson, tight end Jake Breeland, and linebacker Troy Dye. The offensive linemen all did basically all the physical tests. Jake Hansen, it looked like pulled up on one of his 40 attempts, did not run a second time, and did not take part in on-field drills after that. Shane Lemieux did not perform the bench press at the Combine, expected to do so at Pro Day. Calvin Throckmorton went through all the tests at the Combine. Jake Breeland coming off the torn ACL. It was understood he was not going to be taking part in any on-field tests. Jawan Johnson put up quite favorable performance numbers in the physical tests and on-field work, and much has been made in that his Numbers compare very favorably to tight ends historically going into the NFL, as opposed to outside receivers. He's going to kind of fill that kind of hybrid spot. It will be interesting to see where he lands up and how teams look at him. But increasingly, you are starting to hear tight end connected to Jawan Johnson and Troy Dye also not taking part in on-field tests, as we reported at OregonLive.com and the Oregonian. Dye played the last four games of Oregon season with a partially torn right meniscus. He had a knee scope done in early January, and that was why he did not perform any of the on-field work or physical tests at the NFL Combine. Also expected to do so at Oregon's Pro Day.